Welcome to the Delano Newsmakers podcast, bringing context to the stories that matter in Luxembourg. I'm Jess Baldry, and today we shed light on a shady part of the internet, the so-called dark net. I do many safer internet trainings uh, in Luxembourg, and I do a lot of those in schools. And on many occasions, I'm confronted by children that say to me things like, when I grow up, I'm going to be an assassin, and I'm going to find my clients and my weapons on the dark net, or my brother's a hacker, and he's always on the dark net. So this is the things I have to deal with in my training situations, talking about the dark net to excited kids. That was Chris Pynchon, a Luxembourg-based privacy expert and trainer. As the Luxembourg Police Force prepares to launch a specialised division to investigate dark net activities, Chris gives insights into this much-hyped part of the internet that is not indexed by Google. Chris, the words dark net conjure up images of criminals selling drugs, weapons and hacked data. But how far is that image from the reality? Well, those things do take place on the so-called dark net. That's one of the facets of the dark net. Other things also take place on the dark net, which are people um, accessing information that may be prohibited for political or other reasons in their country, people doing investigations uh, where they do not wish to or it's imperative that they do not leave a trace, uh, journalists, for example, or academics investigating things, also for uh, law enforcement people to communicate through safe channels, and various other things. So the dark net is many things. The part that is mainly talked about in the media is the the one you mentioned of uh, the drugs, weapons and hacked data. Can you take us on a tour of the dark net then and explain how to get there and what people will see? Yeah, you mentioned in the introduction there that the, the dark net is uh, something not indexed by Google. So when we think about the internet, uh, when we talk about the dark net or other parts of the internet, we, we often talk about the idea of an, of an iceberg, where the part of the iceberg that you can see above the water is the normal internet, we can call it, the part that is indexed by Google and is accessible through your normal browser. However, there's another part, a much greater part of the internet, which isn't necessarily accessible through that. And that's things such as the your company intranet, for example, other things like that. So they're not indexed and they're not freely available. And then another part of that is the so-called dark net. And in the context of the, the dark net, you would need some way of accessing it, uh, usually through some sort of browser technology or whatever, the most common of which is something called Tor or the Onion Router. And what happens when you get in there is an interesting thing. As I mentioned, the, the, I get very excitable kids talking about the dark net and, and adults also, and they kind of expect to see some sort of matrix style, I don't know, some sort of interface with all sorts of you know, flashing green numbers and code and things. But in reality, it's a, it's a version, if you use the, the Tor browser, it's a version of a Firefox browser 
and it's not spectacular at all. It's just like uh, opening Google or something like that, and you need to, to you know to type in something into the into the, either the search engine or the URL bar to get there. The main manner of getting around the darknet, unless you know a specific address, it would be by using something called the hidden wiki which is a wiki and it's completely boring and it's just a list of terms some of which obviously are the things you mentioned previously drugs weapons hack data some of things uh, are things such as the bible and you may think why is the, would the bible be there and that that's because that's a, a book which is banned in some countries and before we recorded this chris you gave me a very quick tour of the hidden wiki and i have to say it was massively underwhelming. Uh, it was so slow. It was like going back to the days of dial-up. But I liked the fact that there was a book section, clearly nothing compared to an e-commerce site like Amazon. Presumably, it's not a good idea to buy anything from one of these retailers. And, and what would happen if you did? Well, I think the issue there is that um, most of the things that are in the hidden wiki I, would be uh, monitored because that's the kind of main point of entry for anybody that doesn't really know their way around the darknet. And I mean, one of the issues there is if you are buying anything or taking anything off the site such as this, you are depending on the operational security of whoever is putting those things online or if it's like in the case of buying a book or any other item, you're depending on what their operational security is like, the degree to which you can remain anonymous or your transaction may or may not be transparent and available to anybody that might be monitoring that. Now, you previously told me that all of these things that are on the hidden wiki are closely monitored. So where can a person find the good stuff on the so-called dark net? Well, in reality, you would you would really need to be invited. I mean, these, these things aren't just available. And as I said, because this is not necessarily indexed by search engines, many of the kind of sites and forums and things where the uh, interesting things of the darknet take place are, are using a specific address, which is only accessible, for example, frequent ones on, on the Tor browser or something called an onion address. So it would be something dot onion. That's basically the idea of Tor is that it's called the onion router. It's got lots of different layers, which is how you are hidden on the on the internet. So you need to actually get access. You need to be able to get those addresses from somewhere. And that's not something you're going to do just by randomly searching through Google or any other search engine, which is accessible on the darknet or off the hidden wiki. So let's go back to Luxembourg. What sort of crimes against people and business in Luxembourg are being facilitated by the so-called darknet? So the typical crimes and things, they're not specific to Luxembourg as such, but they, the, the typical um, ransomware is very prevalent at the moment of phishing attacks and these kind of things. Now, they may take place in Luxembourg, but they're not necessarily hosted or run by criminals or whatever in Luxembourg. The typical things are really happening a lot, especially due to the, the kind of situation with the, the pandemic. So we're seeing a huge, we've seen a huge increase in ransomware, phishing attacks and these kind of things. And that might be on an individual level or that might be on a more institutional level. So we've seen a lot of um, attacks, on, ransomware attacks on uh, hospitals, healthcare facilities and the, these kind of things. And also hacking of things such as the, um, the European Medical, uh, uh, Medical Association, things like this. So we're seeing a lot of the, these kind of activities. 
Apart from that, the other kind of thing that we might see is the hosting of data that's been exfiltrated due to ransomware things like that. For example, last year, one of the very large supermarket chain from uh, Luxembourg had a ransomware attack. The information, the files were kind of exfiltrated, put on the darknet. A link to that would have been sent to, to the company uh, saying, hey, your files are here, you need to pay by this date or... You, we will be releasing those files to the public. So if you wanted to go on a shopping spree for some data, the so-called darknet would be your supermarket? Exactly. If you know the places to go, that's where, that's where you will find it. And you can you know, make an offer. Uh, depends on the, the, kind of the um, specific criminal activity that those people are taking place in. Maybe they are offering those files to the highest bidder, or maybe they're just trying to get the, the money from, uh, from the organisation itself. Now, we talked about some of the illegal aspects of the so-called darknet, but I believe there are some benefits too. In the beginning, the uh, Tor browser, for example, was created by the uh, US Navy as a system for which their personnel could communicate in a safe way. And that's mainly what the origins of the access to the darknet in that sense are. And so what we do see, as I said previously, is that Uh, human rights defenders, people that need to access information which may be prohibited or indeed illegal in their uh, territory or domain, they often access the the darknet for those reasons. Academic researchers, law enforcement doing research uh, research or or indeed carrying out criminal investigations, and journalists, also people that use the darknet. So if if, for example, as a journalist, you're doing an investigation into whatever and you do not want, you do not want to leave a trace, you don't want your location to be revealed, etc., that's something you would do. So the darknet as such is, it has many facets, but the human rights defense thing is one of the highest ones. And it's also like constantly blocked in countries such as China and other countries. There's a kind of cat and mouse game of um, accessibility to, to information on the dark web. Now, we know that authorities in the US and Netherlands are actually quite advanced in policing the so-called darknet. Can you tell us about some of the big busts that they've made recently? Yeah, I mean, the, one of the things to bear in mind about are the, the kind of, kind of cr- criminal activity that takes place on the darknet, especially the larger scale stuff, this is often spread over multiple territories. So cooperation between law law enforcement is is very important and depending on country or whatever, you've got very, very specialised people, very advanced and things. And so, for example, something like the Emotet crimeware, which was a huge malware strain and cybercrime as a service operation was recently taken down. And again, this was a, a large cooperation uh, with a large focus in the Netherlands, uh, some servers for that opera, for that particular operation were found in the Netherlands, as they were in Germany. And that's been a, a system which has been in operation for some time. And it was a way of infecting multiple computers all, all around the world and then gave essentially access to that, those computers for people who wanted to take information or Trojans uh, or other malware on those machines or in, indeed use ransomware. And that was a, a kind of service that the, the organisation behind that was selling out. So a lot of international cooperations need to take place. Uh, there was a, another big operation um, recently to the Networker ransomware. And again, that was uh, an international cooperation mainly between the United States and the Ukraine, for example. 
and we do we we do see this we 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 constantly see the the way in which um, law enforcement you know because people who are using the the dark net as a way of going dark as the law enforcement often say there are ways around that and it's kind of typical police work the the most famous case was the silk road which was the biggest trafficking site on the dark net and that was taken down in classical infiltration and uh, knowing who the the suspect who was running that was and being able to distract that person in a public library and get and actually take the, the computer when it was open. There are many ways of, of going around these things. Uh, a recent case, uh, there was an Italian person living in Berlin who was threatening to bomb UK hospitals during the pandemic. And again, there was an international cooperation there and various techniques and uh, forensic things and uh, different techniques used to identify the person even though they were using the the dark net were successful and that person was in- intercepted they never had any bombs or any uh, intention of placing them what do you think this specialized unit in the luxembourg police is going to be focusing on when they start investigating the so-called dark net I think primarily the things mentioned previously, the, the kind of uh, data exfiltration, the ransomware and the, the, the phishing things, which Luxembourg, like everywhere else, is subject to. Some years ago, I was at a conference where the head of the cyber department of the Luxembourg police was speaking, and he was saying at that time that their, their primary focus was the fraud and other uh, things associated with financial markets, banking, financial services. So that previously in Luxembourg had been the kind of focus of the cybercrime division. I think with the the kind of increase of crime taking place on the dark net being online, I think this new department will be focused more specifically on that. Luxembourg already has a fairly effective body for monitoring cybercrime in its Computer Incident Response Centre, also known as CIRCLE. So how will the police unit differ or complement the work of CIRCLE? Circle as an organisation, they have no uh, law enforcement capacity, so where they may be able to detect and monitor and uh, pass on information, they have no specific ability to take any kind of legal actions against any, any individuals or organisations that are in, uh, using uh, the dark net or engaging in criminal activities. So as a complementary uh, department, this unit will, will take that role. Both Circle and uh, Be Secure, which is the Safer Internet Centre of uh, Luxembourg, and indeed is the organisation by which I go and do school trainings. And they both have uh, close cooperation and links already with with law enforcement. And indeed, uh, if uh, you report, for example, hate cri- uh, hate speech or something like that, like that to to Be Secure, then Be Secure take that to the police and have that removed. So that, that kind of thing exists, but as I say, CIRCLE is not a law enforcement uh, body, so it will, it will be complementary. But there are, is all, already expertise in Luxembourg due to CIRCLE. Chris, thank you very much. And thank you very much for inviting me. Thanks for listening. You can listen to all our podcasts on delano.lu and on all podcast platforms. And subscribe to the Delano newsletter for all the latest Luxembourg news in English. Sign up on delano.lu.